Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. Today, we are going to break down the final, thankfully, game of the 2023 regular season, Week 18, a home matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. And this, Chris, even though there were some reports early in the week, has more consequence than I think a lot of us was or were originally believed, right? For the Eagles. This this game is a is a game that the, the Eagles win and the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Washington Commanders on the road. They get the number two seed with that Detroit Lions loss last week on Saturday. That really interesting loss. Thank you, Brad Allen. I'm sure a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans are saying right now. But before we get into this week 18 matchup, Chris, how you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, it's a new year. The 2023 season is almost over. Mercifully, we are, you know, really diving into the draft over here. So, yeah, got that to look forward to. And you know, that's something we're going to talk about just a little bit. Absolutely, and it's also thank you so much for not saying Happy New Year. I don't know if you subscribe to the Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm philosophy of you do not say Happy New Year after January 4th. Yeah, I I don't normally subscribe to that. It kind of depends. Like if I haven't seen somebody for a little while, I'll say it. But yeah, I just saw you. We talk all the time. I don't need to say Happy New Year to you. Thank you. I don't need a Happy New Year. Let's just roll right into this. So this game is interesting, right? And like I mentioned a little bit earlier Nick Sirianni and the media made a big uh big uh kind of a big deal about comments that he made when a question was posed to him by a reporter that he might bench players and when I initially heard that I was like oh wait are the Philadelphia Eagles completely out of the running for the NFC East I know the Eagles and the Cowboys they have the same record they both split games against each other if I'm not mistaken but the 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 uh the Cowboys have a better conference record. They have the same divisional record, but the Cowboys have a better conference record. And now they're both playing division games. So if the Cowboys find a way to lose against Washington, which is unlikely, but anything can happen any given Sunday, right? And then the Giants lose to the Eagles, then the Eagles would get that number two seed, which the NFC East champion, which would be the number two seed, which is huge. You get home field advantage through the playoffs up until the conference final, which would uh, be a game against the San Francisco 49ers. So this game has some importance for the Philadelphia Eagles in week 18, like it did last season. Yeah, it really does. And I would say even just outside of playoff seeding, because even if the Eagles stay at right now, they're the fifth seed, they would play whoever happens to emerge from the AFC South. So they get a pretty comfortable road trip against a very beatable team. So 
that aside, yeah, the Eagles have lost, what, four of their last five? They have been on a pretty nasty skid since starting with a 10-1 and record. I'm not going to rule out Nick Sirianni sitting some players, you know, if they do a little bit of scoreboard watching, if, you know, maybe Dallas is up by 30 going into the fourth quarter, they say, okay, well, we're, it's over, pack it in, we don't need to risk injury. But a win would go a long way to smoothing over a lot of the troubles and frustrations we have seen from them. Like, when you start the playoffs, and Giants fans know this, it's a whole new season. And you don't want to go in to that whole new season basically stumbling and being down on yourself with, you know, frustrations kind of bubbling over into the media, uh, questions about, you know, one of your leaders, A.J. Brown, things like that. So I think I would be surprised if Philly comes out with their, a lot of their starting players on the bench, if they play their backups from the start. You know, who knows what happens as the game wears on. But yeah, I, I expect them to come out and play to win. So the Eagles, like you said, they lost four of their last five. They lost four games in December, which uh, which is not a great way to backpedal into the playoffs. I mean, it's definitely welcomed on the, on the Giants end of things. I can't stand the Philadelphia Eagles. But what's so poetic, Chris, is the Cowboys defeated the Lions, right? And the Eagles are never going to root for the Cowboys, obviously. But by defeating the Lions, the Eagles had a direct path. They controlled their path to the two seed. All they had to do was beat one of the worst teams in football at home, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals pulled off the upset. And now they don't control their destiny, and the Cowboys do, who the Eagles originally relied on to beat the Lions. Ah, just It's poetic justice for anybody who despises the Philadelphia Eagles, which is probably the majority of people who are listening to this podcast right now. Now the Eagles do not control their destiny. The Cowboys control their destiny, which is never a great place to be in. But as you said, the Eagles, whoever gets that five seed, they're going to play the NFC South division winner, which isn't necessarily the best football team out there. But let's transition a little bit because this is not an Eagles podcast. This is a New York Giants podcast. So how can the Giants get the number two overall pick in the draft? That's what a lot of Giant fans are looking at right now with this game. As much as we want to beat the Eagles because the Eagles have owned the New York Giants, I hate saying that. It's just the objective truth. I think it's better for the franchise moving forward if they if they lose. I think it's safe to admit that, right? I don't think it's don't get the pitchforks out to come get me. It's just, it's just better for the New York Giants long-term future. And that's especially true in this draft if the Commanders, the Patriots and the Cardinals win in week 18 because with the New York Giants loss and those three teams winning, the Giants would secure the number 2 overall pick in the draft that has plenty of very interesting prospects. So Chris how do you feel about that? What are you looking forward to in this week 18 game? And do you think it's realistic that the Cardinals can beat the Seahawks at home, the Commanders can beat Dallas at home, and the Patriots can beat <laughs> the Jets at home to ensure that the Giants get that pick if they do lose to Philly? Yeah, I think all of those things, those three teams winning and the Giants losing is pretty unlikely i think uh espn stats and info ran the simulations and the giants have a less than one percent chance of getting the getting the second overall pick it would be you know 
I think really nice to see happen for the Giants to have their choice of every player in the draft, except for the one who goes number one overall. If say the Giants really like one of the top three quarterbacks, odds are they would be able to take him. If they really like Marvin Harrison Jr., they could take him. If they get a good deal from a team looking to skip over the Patriots, skip over the Jets, skip over Washington, they could take that and potentially trade back and maybe even still get a player they really like. So the the second overall pick is potentially very, very valuable. Now, those individual games, you know, I think, I think the Patriots probably have the best chance of winning, you know, of beating the Jets because it's the Jets. They've got a very good roster, but it doesn't matter who they have playing quarterback. They don't have a very good quarterback right now. You know, with Washington, maybe Jacoby Brissett plays. I don't know. I haven't been keeping a good, a good bead on that. I think they're definitely better with Jacoby Brissett than they are with Sam Howell. Yeah, the potential is there for them to beat Dallas, yeah, especially with the weather that's going to be going up the coast this weekend. That's probably going to impact the Giants game as well. You know, I saw something like upstate New York supposed to get like 10, 12 inches of snow by Sunday, something like that. So yeah, it, it could be kind of a mess out there, especially FedEx field. But then you have the Seahawks Cardinals and Seahawks playing for postseason, hoping to get up to at least second in the NFC West. They're going to be tough to beat. Now, Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals, they can be a problem. They do have talent on their offense, but their team as a whole just isn't good. And the Seahawks, they've got, I think, a lot more talent overall than the Cardinals. So Seahawks are beatable, but yeah, I, I wouldn't bet too heavily on that, especially considering the presence of new pro bowler Julian Love, which, of course, we have to at least mention. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that actually right now. So let's do it, Chris. The Giants had one pro bowl player, and that was, of course, Dexter Lawrence who secured this Pro Bowl bid. There was no Saquon Barkley. There was no Kayvon Thibodeau, which I can understand. Kayvon Thibodeau had a hot streak in the middle of the season against the Jets. It has quieted down over the last couple of weeks, unfortunately. Maybe we can get into that on a later podcast during the offseason. But Saquon Barkley did not make it either. And it was Kyron Williams, DeAndre Swift of the Eagles, and Christian McCaffrey. I understand McCaffrey. I understand Williams. This is the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is kind of, you know, eh, I guess would be one way I can phrase it, just whatever. But Swift did make it over Saquon Barkley, which is somewhat surprising. Maybe you can uh, make an argument for it, but I would imagine Saquon Barkley in a much worse situation is a better player than one DeAndre Swift, who was in an optimal situation for a running back. But you're right, man. Julian Love ended up making the Pro Bowl one year away from the New York Giants. And I, I look at Julian Love and that departure sign for like what, like six mil a year or something over there with the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Giants defense still missed him this year. I think one of the big reasons why, as much as I like Jason Pinnock, is the tackling. Julian Love is one of the better tackling safeties in the NFL, in the alley, and his versatility. And I have a quote 
from Pete Carroll about Julian Love. And here it is. He says his consistency to be available for the plays, the playmaking, it's there. He's talented. He sees things. He reacts really well. He got really quick feet. He's really nimble and he can get in and out of breaks and come out of the middle and come out of his halves and cover a ton of ground. And he's really responsible about making the plays that he should make in the running game. He's a really good all around ball player. And we see it carry over as he impacts the special teams group as well. He's always doing things right. He's making calls. He's making tackles. He's just a really good football player. I think he's probably better than we thought. And he's more complete than we thought. And I got to say, man, how accurate of an assessment is that from Coach Carroll about Julian Love? Yeah, well, I, I would assume Pete Carroll would make an accurate assessment of a football player. Like he, he's been at it for a while and he's pretty good at what he does. But yes, that he basically says everything about Julian Love that we said about him last year when he was basically thrust into the number one safety job when Xavier McKinney went down over the bye week. Yeah. It really is a shame and very, very unfortunate. Maybe not exactly maybe unavoidable but just very unfortunate that the Giants were not able to come to an agreement with Love and had to let him go because he really was one of the best parts of their defense a year ago because, you know, like you said, like Pete Carroll says, he sees so much. He's very, very smart, but he does still have the movement skills. He's got the quick feet. He's, you can see his background as a college cornerback and he has just transitioned to being a safety so, so well. And he was a great fit for the Wink Martindale defense because of how many hats he could wear and how he can come downhill, how he can tackle securely. Yeah, you know, The Giants this year, the, the difference in their tackling from a year ago is something not a lot of people have talked about, but it's one of the biggest factors in how their defense is perceived you know, last year. I think they were had the lowest or second lowest missed tackle rate in the NFL this year, they're top five and that's a lot of leaky yardage. And it, we just see it in a game to game, week to week basis. We do see it in a game to game, week to week basis. And he's missed. He is as much as I do believe Jason Pinnock adds, a unique element to this to this defense and he has more upside maybe than Julian Love in certain ways. Julian Love does a little things better than Jason Pinnock who will likely not play in week 18 which will lead to more Dane Belton which I'm excited about and I have one more thing I want to talk about before we get into this game but I do think we should go to ads right now cuz we're at a good time for it so let's do that. Here are some ads from SB Nation everybody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Chris, before I get into some of those injuries, I know I brought up Jason Pinnock. He was DMP in practice on Thursday. Not a great sign for his availability. I want to talk about something pressing with the Giants, man, because this is a Week 18 game that could be of huge consequence regarding the last time we see certain players on the Giants who have been around the Giants for quite a while. And those names include Saquon Barkley, man, Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, Mark Lewinsky, who could be released, Sterling Shepard. Some of these guys are likely to either be released, in Mark Lewinsky's case, or they are in their final year of the contract, and it's not a given that they're going to be back as New York Giants. We've seen Barkley comment saying, kind of alluding to a fresh start earlier this week, which was which could be perceived as him saying, I'm going to test free agency. And, and, and I think he said something to the effect of, if that's what happens, that was God's plan. And don't quote me on that, but it was something uh, regarding that, right? Sterling Shepard, who was on this roster, it's just like, I don't really know why this season, if I'm going to be frank with, with everybody. I, I don't. like. He didn't really have a role. He wasn't on special teams, but he's a good locker room guy. He's likely seen his, this will be his last game as a New York Giant. He's the longest tenured New York Giant. The longest tenured New York Giant after that is Saquon Barkley. So if both of these guys vacate the Giants, the longest tenured New York Giant is Daniel freaking Jones, which is crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. And I would say Daniel Jones only beats out Dexter Lawrence because he was drafted a little picks. bit sooner in 2019. It, there has been a tremendous amount of turnover for the Giants over the last seven years or so. And yeah, I, I think for some of these guys, I think maybe even most of these guys, it will be their last game as a Giant. Yeah. Sterling Shepard, it might be his last game, period. Yeah, I we've talked about this a bunch. We both love Sterling Shepard. We love what he brings to the field from a mental standpoint, from a skill standpoint. And I I do understand to a certain extent wanting him in the locker room to help your young receivers, to help out Wandale Robinson, to help out uh Jalen Hyatt, to help them really learn how to be professionals, to break down tape, the importance of precision in your route running, how to set up and exploit DBs, do all the things that Sterling has been fantastic at since he was drafted. But just on the field anymore, he has had so many injuries that he just is not the player he used to be. You know, to the point where we were trying to recap, you know, figure out what injuries happened in which years, and it's kind of tough to remember to keep them all straight. So I feel terrible for him that his career will probably end prematurely, but hopefully he will at least stay with the organization and find some sort of role in the in the locker room on the coaching staff because he could be great at that, I think. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney, you know, that I think will come down to the postseason negotiations. I wouldn't be surprised to see any of them kept around. I also wouldn't be surprised to see any of them let go. Yeah, Barkley, maybe he does need a fresh start somewhere. Yeah, it's his presence has, I think, put the Giants in a little bit of an awkward spot 
just with respect to their team building, because you have that talent where you have to get him the ball, you have to have him on the field, but he's also a running back and running backs really do depend on everyone else on the field in order to play their best. So the resources for Bar- that Barkley commands might be better used elsewhere. And maybe there are teams that are in a better position, have a better overall philosophy where he can, he's 26, so he can't even say finish out his career, but maybe go into the next stage of his career and play to his full potential. Yeah, He could be absolutely frightening on the 49ers or although they do have that McCaffrey guy or yeah, on the Baltimore Ravens. Cause you know, they've kind of been looking for a running back, maybe up in Buffalo with the bills, they need a running back badly. So then you have the secondary players with Jackson and McKinney. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens with those guys. Cause if those two leave, that is another hole. The giants do have to fill. Yeah. You know, they are kind of thin at safety and I don't know if Trey Hawkins is ready to start opposite Tay Banks. Now, this is going to be a really interesting offseason to see exactly how the Giants handle some of these players, their possible departures. How do they replace players like that? I mean, you have guys in house to possibly replace Xavier McKinney, uh, not to the level of Xavier McKinney. And I'm a big fan of Xavier McKinney, so I'm excited to cover that during the offseason. But for now, let's transition to this. Week 18 game for the Philadelphia Eagles against the New York football Giants. What are we looking forward to here? Look, I mean, the Giants almost pull off the upset on Christmas against this Eagles team. Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito, the passing Paisano. He was the starter in that game, got benched at halftime for Tyrod Taylor, who provided a spark as well as the defense because the Eagles threw a pick six to a Dory Jackson, which was like his fourth interception in his career, which is insane to think about a cornerback as good as a Dory Jackson just doesn't necessarily have all those st- statistics to back up how good he actually was throughout his career. But what are you looking for with uh, the Giants defense against this Eagles offense, especially in a game that could have consequence for the Eagles? Yeah, I think the two big things I'm looking for are injuries on both sides. You know, with uh, Jason Pinnock, he's got that toe injury where I believe it was Kyron Williams just landed weirdly right on his heel when Pinnock was making a tackle. That just looked painful when it happened. I'm kind of surprised he didn't suffer a broken foot. And then Tay Banks, Deontay Banks, he's got a shoulder injury. He He didn't practice to start the week. He's limited as of Thursday. I don't have word on Friday's practice. But then on the other side, got Devonta Smith. He suffered a what they're calling a mild ankle sprain. So far he has yet to practice. Will he practice? You know, he has he's never missed a game so far in his career, which was a big concern for him coming out of Alabama just because of his we'll say slight svelte thin frame. But he's been durable. He's missed practices before, but he's always played. I don't know if he's going to play in this game. And that does change the complexion of their offense if they don't have that dangerous, hyper-reliable slot receiver that Jalen Hurts can always turn to. The flip side of that is the Eagles' offensive line is healthy. They were missing Lyndon Dickerson, 
the last time these two teams played, they had Suo Peta, I believe, playing left guard. Uh, Cam Jurgens was dealing with a chest injury. You know, those can always be nasty for offensive linemen. Uh, he isn't even listed as questionable right now. So, yeah, just guessing, I think we see a pretty heavy dose of the running game from the Eagles. And the question there is, can the Giants stop it? Can the Giants stop it? That's where, I don't know, 170 yards I think they had on the ground uh, on Christmas Day, which really isn't that bad for the New York Giants to get the ball back, unfortunately. I mean, we've seen in recent memory the Eagles' offense rush for over 200 yards against the New York Giants, especially with Jalen Hurts and, and their overall rushing attack. But to flip it a little bit, to get to the Giants' offense against this Eagles defense. Look, this Eagles defense is not the Eagles defense that had 70 sacks last season. It's not the Eagles defense that Jonathan Gannon coordinated last year. It is a defense that is very susceptible, has an aging secondary. It's a defense that's given up a ton of explosive plays. It's a defense that got thrashed by James Conner at home last year. So I'm looking at the Giants offense. I want Tyrod to take them shots, loosen up that defense, but I'm also expecting and this is to be expected if the elements, because there should be a snowstorm hitting the Northeast. We'll have to see exactly what happens there. A Saquon Barkley game too, man. Give the football to Saquon Barkley. Run counter concepts. Run some trap, some pull if they're going to align in their four down front and have a lot of open gaps to rely on those linebackers to fly in. If you incorporate some trap blocks, some wham blocks with Daniel Bellinger to help spring that rushing attack. Giants have had success with that with <laughs> people aren't going to like that. I say this with Bobby Johnson as the offensive line coach and, and uh, Mike Kafka more specifically as the offense coordinator in the past against those teams that like to employ even front wide, even front. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. We didn't see too much of that on Chris. We saw a lot of outside zone. We saw some counter GH counter. So when I was going through the Arizona tape last week, I saw a lot of GT counter, which is different. And pulling the backside tackle. Giants don't run that too often. So I would like to see a diversified rushing attack to try to beat this Eagles defense into submission because, frankly, that is not a good playoff defense, and I think they could just get absolutely abused come playoff time. Yeah, I think so as well. And yeah, injuries, I think this is another place where they're going to play a role. You know, the, the big one is Tyree Phillips. Yeah, he went out against the Rams, came back in, and then went down with a torn quad tendon, we found out during the week, which, ow. Uh, so that's going to bring Matt Pert onto the field. So I'm with you. I think this is going to be a Saquon Barkley game because I'm not sure the Giants want to expose Matt Pert to Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat or possibly Nolan Smith if the Eagles decide to decide to actually use their depth along the defensive front and rotate guys, which is a thing they have not done this year, which is, I think, a big part of the reason why, you know, their defense hasn't been as good. Yeah. And on the flip side, they might have Darius Slay back. Yeah, he had his, he had just gotten his knee scoped the last time these two teams played. Keely Ringo started in his place. Yeah. They might have some rotation back there. They might put Slay on the field a little bit to give him, you know, get his feet wet before the playoffs. Yeah, not sure what we're going to see there, but Avante Maddox, their slot corner, who is a good player, he avoided 
some a potential injury last week against the Cardinals. He'll be back. I believe he missed last game as well. And as does Zach Cunningham, who is definitely their best linebacker. You know, Cunningham and Shaq Leonard together. That is potentially <laughs> a dynamic linebacking duo. Yeah. Leonard, he's I, I don't know if he is quite quite gelled, quite fit in yet, but that that's something I think to at least be aware of, particularly if the Giants do rely on Saquon Barkley or their tight ends as, you know, quick check down options to, just to get the ball out of Tyrod Taylor's hands before the pass rush can get to him. If the offensive line can hold up, big if for the Giants, that Eagle secondary is definitely vulnerable. And we have seen Tyrod just let it rip. And I, I think that is the biggest thing he brings to this offense is his deep ball. Like he throws, he has always thrown an absolutely gorgeous deep ball. He's got great timing. He's got great placement and plenty of arm strength on his deep ball. And we have seen, and I think we'll see shots to Darius Slayton, to Jalen Hyatt down the field, because I don't think the Eagles have anyone who can really keep up and cover those guys. The question is just getting those one-on-one -on -one opportunities and keeping Tyrod clean long enough for him to get, get the ball out. That's a hundred percent the the way the Giants can win and the way the Giants can attack deep is just you got to keep Tyrod clean. The way Tyrod's been maneuvering the pocket, it's been better than I would say both the quarterbacks that have started for the Giants, not named Tyrod Taylor. So that can help in, in that uh in that quest for the Giants to to attack the Eagles deep. And like I said earlier, it's a very susceptible secondary. But Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Nah, well, I do believe this is going to be like the Giants games. Oh, the last two years, I think this is going to come down to turnovers and just which team is able to play a clean game. If the Giants play a clean game, if they play the type of game they want to play with, you know, run the ball, take those deep shots to loosen up the defense and keep the Eagles from playing downhill. And the Eagles press, they make mistakes, they play sloppy, like we saw the last time these two teams played and quite frankly like a lot of the Giants opponents have in the second half of the year the Giants have a real chance at winning this game if the flip side happens if you know Matt Parrott winds up being a massive disaster at right tackle and the Eagles defensive line is able to take over the game if the Giants start pressing and play sloppy football and the Eagles play clean then I think we can start looking at that top five pick that maybe grows into a four, a three or a two. So it, it, this game could really go the same way. So many other giants games have gone. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on big blue view radio. Please. If you have not done so already, like subscribe, comment on the podcast and head on over to BigBlueView.com, where you can check out all of our written content. Thanks, everyone. Take care of each other, and Happy New Year. Nah, have a, have a good one.